Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. And before I read that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a setup for the message and and kind of where we're going in these next few weeks. Now, last Sunday, obviously, we talked about the resurrection. uh, And we shared uh, from Acts chapter 2, we kind of dissected Peter's sermon on, um, as they were coming out of the upper room on what was taking place on that Pentecost day. And he talked about the resurrection and its power and its purpose. Uh, What we're going to do now for the remainder of the month is we're going to kind of retrace the steps of that week as to what Jesus, the events of that week that took place. If uh, if you're familiar with it, you're going to understand that there's a lot that went down during that particular week. And uh, we're going to hit a few of the highlights and, and some of the major events that took place kind of the beginning of that week marked um, you know the the triumphal entry uh, which we know as Palm Sunday it's where Jesus enters into Jerusalem to lauding to celebration uh, to people waving the palm leaves and just eagerly anticipating the arrival of the Messiah of Jesus himself Um, as we were sitting down and we were talking about all of these events that we're going to be covering because we're going to most likely be talking about uh, Jesus uh, teaching in John 15 with the uh, you know in the vineyard talking to his disciples and then we'll probably talk about the Garden of Gethsemane as well the one thing that we can see in all of these passages that is a theme that rings true out of all of these is the fact that Jesus Christ said yes to God I think that we can lose appreciation for that sometimes and lose the value and just how important that is because we kind of write it off that, oh, he was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was fully God. And while that's all true, we don't need to lose sight of the fact that Jesus was fully man also. He was fully flesh. And he battled everything that we battle. He faced everything that we can face. And he did so sinlessly. And if you look at all of these events, I want us to make sure that we're viewing in these next few weeks these events through the lens that Jesus Christ knew exactly what was in store for him. He knew exactly what he was walking into. He knew what the end result would be. He knew what he was going to have to endure, and he said yes anyhow. So I want us to think about this saying yes to God and what that means in our lives. Uh, you know, I got to thinking about some of the times that, um, that I've said yes to God or I, there's been an answer of yes. And I don't know if there is any more powerful three-letter word in the English language than yes. And sometimes we say yes to things because we know exactly what's going to happen. You know, all of the parameters, all of the benefits, all of the side effects, everything is laid out in front of us, but we still know all the information and we say yes. Sometimes we have to say yes kind of on faith. 
And apart from me accepting Jesus or any of us accepting Jesus, I think the biggest yes, as far as the step of faith that I know of, is when my wife actually said yes to me. I mean, I, I realize that she married me for my money. I mean, you know, I had $5, she had 3 You do the math. I had more money at the time, all right? But not knowing what was in store, not knowing what the future held, not knowing what kind of peaks and valleys, ups and downs, uh, celebrations, triumphs, pitfalls, failures, struggles, all of these things she didn't know. But yet she said yes, twice, because I proposed twice. (laughs) I didn't believe her the first time, apparently, but she, she said yes in faith. And I think that sometimes we face both of those types of situation with God. Is there are some times that God asks us to do things, and we may know exactly what the price is going into it. He may make it very clear to us exactly what He expects of us, what it's going to entail, and what different type of steps that we're going to have to take through the journey of saying yes. But then there are other times that I believe that we have to say yes without knowing exactly what's in store. To give you a little bit of a personal example uh, of a time that I said yes to God when, being transparent, I really didn't want to. Has anybody ever been there that you say yes to something that you know God's doing and you really, in your heart of hearts, don't want to? Um, My destiny, I have figured out in one part of my life, is that at some point, at some point, I am destined to live in New Zealand in a hobbit hole, in the side of a hill. It's my existence. I'm going to eat about six times a day. It's going to be great. And I've had this destiny from when I can remember. And I actually, it's been 2012, 2013, something like that. I get a call from a church in New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. It's beautiful, right on the coast. It's it's a dream. And they call me and they're like, we have heard some pretty amazing things about you. And I'm like, I don't know who you've been talking to, but I need them as references on my resume, so please fill me in. But they said, we would like for you to pray about becoming our next pastor. Okay. So I told them, I said, let's, you know, I I appreciate that. I'd love to pray about this. Let me talk to my wife. Uh, and, and I'll get back with you. And they said, we would love to be able to fly you, your wife, your daughter, over here for two weeks, everything on us, so that you can get a feel for the culture, the church, you can preach for us, we can spend a couple weeks together, and then we'll fly you home. We'll give you two weeks of a vacation that's on us to come and check this place out. I'm just like, this is the Lord. <laughs> There's no doubt this is the Lord. So I I said, okay, before we agree to that, uh, let me just talk with my wife. Because honestly, the last thing that I wanted to do is if if God was saying no to this, I didn't want to waste the church's resources. I didn't want to take a two-week holiday on them if this wasn't something that I felt like God was at least leading us to, uh, to pursue a little bit more. So we're praying about it, we're praying about it, we're praying about it, and we are hearing absolutely nothing. I mean nothing. 
And I met with them on like a Zoom call, and I met some of the people there, and, and they're asking me, hey, can we book those tickets for you? Can we go ahead and book those? I'm like, guys, you're, you're going to have to just give me a little bit longer. And they said, well, we need to know by this date. I'm like, I, I understand that. I'll, I'll let you know something for sure. So like an hour before, I'm supposed to give them an answer as to where we're going, whether we're going to come and, and kind of check everything out or not. I'm just pleading with God. I'm like, I have to know something. I have to know something. You've got to give me some kind of answer, some kind of clue, some kind of indicator, something, because I have nothing. And in my heart this whole time, I'm going, please be yes, please be yes, please be yes. And still, I'm going to be honest with you, still to this day, I have not told my wife the entirety of the package that they were offering over there. I mean, because I was sitting there going, <laughs> this is the Lord. This is the Lord. But about 15 minutes before it's time for me to give them a solid answer, I finally feel like the Lord starts speaking to me and starts giving me a little bit of an answer. But he does it in such a, a Jesus kind of way. It wasn't a, yes, you should do this, no, you shouldn't do this. It was a, where is your heart? What? Where is your heart? Was the answer that I was getting. And it was this feeling that I was, listen, I could go over there. I could pastor that church. I feel like the kingdom would grow. Souls would be saved. Church would be blessed. We would be blessed. And God would be honored. But I also felt that if we stayed here, that the kingdom would grow. That people would be saved. The church would be blessed. We'd be blessed. And God would be honored. But God asked me this question of where is your heart? And everything else about me wanted to be in New Zealand. But I knew in my heart of hearts, and Kim knew in her heart as well, this is where we were supposed to be. So in that moment, I was faced with a, do I say yes to God and stay? Or do I say yes to my flesh and go because most of the time maybe not all of the time but most of the time any time that we say yes to god we're saying no to self most of the time when you say yes to god you're saying no to yourself so now let's look at luke chapter 5 we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 and i'm going to be honest with you God kind of changed this passage on me in the kind of the wee hours this morning, so I don't have anything on the screen or the live stream for you guys, so um, we're just going to have to go old school and look at a Bible, okay? So Luke chapter 5, verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Going into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled at their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. 
But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they, let, they left everything and followed him. So, quick word of prayer this morning. God, we are so thankful for you and, and thankful for uh, your son and the fact that even in the face of knowing exactly what was going to happen, he said yes to you. God, I pray that as we uh, kind of examine from your word and, and see how we can apply these things to our life and, and some of the promises and, and really the results of saying yes to you, that God, you would open our hearts, open our ears. God, I pray that you use me this morning, use me as your vessel to deliver your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, out of this passage, I kind of want us to look at four results that we see from this passage of saying yes to God. Now, I'm going to tell you that some of these are going to sound really good. But if it is true that the majority of the time saying yes to God means saying no to yourself, they're not always going to be easy. And it's not always something that's going to be naturally celebrated for us to say yes to God. Because, I mean, even if we look at the example of the Savior, which we're going to here in a couple of weeks, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said that, God, if there's any way at all, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but yours. So we see that saying yes, even in Jesus' life, saying yes to God meant saying no to his flesh. But the first thing that I believe, the first result that I believe that we see out of this passage when we say yes to God is that each day now has a purpose. Each day for the, in the life of a believer has a purpose. Now, I, I, we can argue semantics and we can argue the, the details of it and the definition of it. That, that's fine. But I want to submit to you the fact that if you're not a believer, if you do not follow Jesus Christ, then your purpose will one day run out. One day your purpose will expire. Because if we're not following Jesus Christ, if we're not getting our purpose from His plan and, and His will for our lives, then at some point, your purpose for each day is going to expire. If you're living for monetary gain, if you're living for financial gain, if you're living for relational gain or emotional gain or climbing a ladder or societal or economic gain, if that's what your purposes are each day, then at some point, that purpose is going to expire. There will be some day that comes along that you no longer have a purpose. But when you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then our purpose becomes following the plan that He has laid out for our lives. And we see that in this passage when we look at verse 10, and He says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. You will be fishers of men. What He's doing is He's saying that don't worry about what you're going to do now. 
Because Simon Peter, all he had ever known up until that point in his life was fishing. That's what he did. That's what he was born to do. That's what he was made to do. That was his identity. That's what the world had told him. This is your purpose. So he woke up every day with the purpose of go catch fish. He woke up the next day, go catch fish. Because everything around you depends on that. And then in a moment, we see Jesus show up and blow his life out of the water. Anybody ever felt that before? Good. Good. There was like one hand, and there's like. We have a purpose, which is to go and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's to be his ambassadors. That is to be his priesthood, his royal priesthood that is urging a lost and dying world on behalf of Jesus Christ to accept his sacrifice, his resurrection to come to them. Now we're going to talk a little bit about this plan a little bit later, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and advance and, and kind of come back to this. But the second thing that we see is in verses 2 through 6 is that a result of saying yes to God is that your life now becomes a miracle. Okay? Verse 2, And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets began breaking. So this is a physical miracle. So they were impacted by this physical miracle that took place. But the results of saying yes to God, are not always physical miracles. I've said this many times from this stage, and I will say it many times more from this stage. The greatest miracle ever is the salvation of someone who is lost. Is when Jesus Christ saves someone from an eternity of a separation from Him. When He redeems you, when He saves you, when He restores you, that is the greatest miracle that can ever happen. And in Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7 real quick. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. While you were yet still in your sin, Christ died for you. While you were unworthy of Him, Christ died for you. 
while you were in no way, shape, form, or fashion able to redeem yourself, make up for yourself, qualify yourself, Christ died for you. The fact that we have a Savior who would look down at a wretch like me, at a wretch like you, just like we sung about in Amazing Grace, and say, I want that one. That is the greatest miracle that you will ever experience in your life. Amen? That Christ, while you were still a sinner, died for you. So the first result, the first result is that every day has purpose. The second result is that your life now becomes a miracle. And as we look back at, at Luke chapter 5, the next result is that peace is established in our heart. Verse 10, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Again, understanding the premise that saying yes to God will most often be saying no to self. Everything about Peter's life changed in that moment. And Jesus' response to him is, do not be afraid. Folks, can I tell you that I believe that that is the message that, that we need to be receiving, that we need to be hearing right now today in everything that's gone on. Listen, life was crazy before 2020, amen? Anybody else? Life was crazy, all right? Sometimes I look back and go, oh, for the stress of 2019, you know? But life has never been easy. Life has always been crazy. And spoiler alert, it's always going to be crazy, okay? It is always going to be crazy. But when you say yes to God, you have a Savior who not only loves you so much that while you were still yet a sinner, He died for you, you also have someone that comes alongside of you and says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And we talk about this often, but that peace that passes all understanding. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Because I didn't understand a whole lot about life before this past year. I understand even less now than what I did before. But the one thing that I know that my God, my Savior Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is never going to leave me. He is never going to forsake me. There's never going to be a time that He's going to abandon me. I can be facing the biggest demon in hell, but yet Christ Jesus is still there. Amen? Alright, let's look at the last result. And I'm going to actually have you turn back to Romans chapter 5 again with me. The fourth result of saying yes to Christ is that we take up our cross daily. That we embrace our cross. Again, to say yes to God is to say no to your flesh. It's to say no to yourself. Romans 5 Let's just read verses 1 through 5 here, because he talks about peace in this again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. 
And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which He has given to us. Saying yes to Jesus and saying yes to God isn't automatically going to make life easy. Jesus talks, talks, about, talks more about suffering than He does just about anything else. In this life, there will be suffering. That's a promise of God. It's not one of the ones that we love to tack up on our walls, you know, hang as pictures. But in this life, there will be suffering. In Luke chapter 9, I believe it's verse 23, we learn that the, the disciple Luke, the apostle Luke, is telling us and instructing us to take up our cross daily and follow him. You see, I told you the story about me in New Zealand and, and saying yes to God in that situation. Saying yes to God in that situation several years ago really doesn't mean a whole lot to me today. Other than the fact that I believe that I am firmly where God wants me to be. But I can't live off of that one yes. You can't live off of a one-time yes to God and just wait it out. we go back to Luke verse 11 in chapter 5 and said when they had brought their boats to land they left everything and followed him saying yes to God is a day by day moment by moment lifestyle that we as believers have to adopt it's not enough to say yes to God once and then think we're good. You see, God has a plan for your life. And I know that we hear that. That's, that can be so misused at times. Trying to encourage people. And it should encourage you. It should. But sometimes, it's done more from a prosperity angle. And we try to make people feel good about themselves in the wrong way. You see, God has a plan for your life. And that should make you feel good because... Here's the reality. God is not surprised by what's happening. This, all of this stuff surrounding, uh, that's surrounding us and around us that we don't understand, that we are shocked by almost on a daily basis, that we're just kind of like, okay, what's the next ripple effect here? What's happening next? God is not surprised by any of that. You see, God doesn't, His plan doesn't start from the beginning, and then He just kind of goes with the flow and makes things up as He goes. The Old Testament tells us that He knows the end from the beginning everything that you're facing right now god knows about it everything that you will face in the future god knows about it everything that you have faced in your past god knew about it and he is working all things together for those who love him for their good romans 8 28 genesis 50 20 when joseph is responding to his brothers he says that you meant it as evil against me but god minute for good you may be looking at the storm that you're in right now in your life there may be something happening that is far more challenging far more trying and and far worse than anything that you've ever faced before in your life but understand something it has not caught god off guard it's not like oh didn't see that coming 
Now what do I do? God has a plan. And He will work for good everything that you face in your life. And we struggle with that at times because we want to understand everything. We want to be able to comprehend everything. We still like the fact that two and two makes four, no matter what system of math you try to use to get there. Two and two, still four. And I don't know who thought, and I, I know I'm going to hurt some, some math teacher's feelings, in here. I don't know who thought that putting letters in with numbers was a good idea. I heard Tim Baldwin on that one. <laughs> Never going to understand that one. So algebra doesn't make sense to me. And you know what? Algebra is life. They said you'd never use algebra in life, but I find myself every day because I don't understand either one of them. But when we trust in God, for I know the plans that I have for you, for I know every hair that's on your head, I know about you. You are uniquely, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I have etched you into the palm of my hand. Guys, God's got this. And I think you need to remind yourself, I know I need to remind myself of that so often when I feel like things are spiraling out of control. God's got this. He's the one that's sovereign. He's the one that's all-knowing. He's the one that's almighty and all-powerful. Not me. Not me. When I ask the praise team if they would to come up, we, um, we, we've stated this. This is kind of a, a theme in, in several of our messages. Saying yes to Christ, saying yes to God means this. He's no longer a supplement in your life. God just can't be an addition to your life. You can't just take what you're doing and just say, okay, I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus in this now. As verse 11 says, that they left everything and they followed Him. Now, I don't know of anyone in here that God has asked you to leave everything that you have to follow him and i don't know how often he does that but i do know that he wants you to be willing to do that regardless of whether he ever asks you that or not our yes to god has to be so resolute that we'll be willing to leave everything and follow him